Hey guys, Digest number 3 is coming up, but Kevin reminded me after we were done taping this that I forgot to mention a few things. Mainly, we forgot to leave our contact information. So if you want to get in touch with us, we are on Twitter and Instagram at AnimeRoundtable. AnimeRoundtable.com is our website if you want further show notes and links. And if you want to email us, AnimeRoundtable at gmail.com. And since we are on the topic enough during the episode, I thought I should also leave these numbers as well. If you're in any form of distress that's driving you to the breaking point, know that there are many resources for you. Suicide prevention hotlines are available in the U.S. 1-800-273-8255 and in Canada 1-833-456-4566. And of course, there's the Kids Help Phone, 1-800-668-6868. That's up here in Canada as well. We harped on the theme of it being a tough weekend for fandom. But the cool part is there's always a chance to start fresh. Stay cool because it's very warm here in Toronto. And we hope you enjoy this. The opinions expressed in the following are those of its participants, and do not necessarily reflect those of the producers and the Six Talk Podcast Network. Also, the following contains mature material and mild language, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Discretion is advised. Well, needless to say, this has not been an easy weekend for fandom, especially if you're into um, Asian pop culture, anime, Japanese pop culture. This has not been an easy weekend. And I think that's why we want to start talking with you guys this evening. Uh, good evening from our Six Points studio in the West End. I'm Mike Nicholas. This is Anime Roundtable Digest. We decided to digest it up. This is our third digest in the uh, version two era. James Austin, Kevin Ng, they're at home on their remotely on their microphones joining me tonight. And where do we start tonight? I already... Answered, I already um, told James and Kevin where we'll start tonight. And I guess, uh, as I said, this hasn't been an easy weekend for fandom. Let's start rather obviously. Kevin texted me Friday morning informing me of Zach Bursky's death, the uh, lead guy at Anime News Network. And it did bring back a flood of memories. Admittedly, not all of them, most of them not great. But you feel you feel empathy, and I guess I'll start. I'll, I'll, first of all, I want to get this part out of the way when talking about Zach. First, I didn't know Zach all that well, if at all, and I've only had two run-ins with Zach, and I'm sorry to say neither of them were pleasant, because um, as you know, Zach was legendary for his bluntness, and he has no problems telling you that especially online, and he told me all right. And, I, and I'll tell you about those two experiences just quickly. Once was, first time was um, almost 20 years ago. I briefly had a column on Anime News Network, and I asked, he kept emailing Zach, can you give me some feedback? And he was pretty sharp in his criticism, told me how much, it, for all intents and purposes, how much the column sucked. And looking back on the column, yeah, I agree, it sucked. I'm not going to deny uh, 
could have been better. The column itself only lasted, I think, two or three editions, and that was it. The second time, uh, my second run-in with Zach was, uh, was also online, and it was, I believe, 2007 or 2008. It was in the early days of this pod, uh, during the version one era of the podcast. And at the time, Anime News Network, they decided to start experiment doing a video news program. And I forgot what it was called, ANN TV. I, I forgot. Nope, it was called ANN TV. It was ANN TV. Thanks, Kevin. And they, you know, they did a weekly news program. I think it was like a 15 minute show summarizing the headlines of that week. And I, it barely lasted uh, half a dozen episodes, I believe. And here I was, all a, a big fan of it going online saying what what I liked and what I didn't like and what I thought could have made the viewing experience improved. And then Zach came onto the forums and then laid into me there saying, "What? who the hell do you think you are for lack of a better choice of words? You're not in the industry. You have no business for really making these type of criticisms because what the hell do you know? All you have is some two-bit audio podcast. And that hurt. I, I admit that. That 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 was quite the shot to have taken at the time. And that touched off a nice little storm. A lot of people said, relax, this is Zach, which it was. Uh, another, I, I told a friend who um, about it, and he he was actually in the broadcast industry. So he came on the uh, came onto the forums, made a made a an account, and you know, laid into Zach. And Zach, uh, Zach took it as well as he uh, dished it out. It was really, mm. that was kind of an interesting exchange. But he went after my friend as well saying, you made your, this account just to come at me, didn't you? And that was uh, quite an interesting exchange, I, I will say, at the time. And then what happens less than a year later after all that interaction, or about a year after that interaction? Yanen cast starts. So... I thought, okay, so he comes out criticizing me, having an audio podcast, and then he makes his name with an audio podcast. This is how he became really more popular. Then, obviously, the hiatus happened for this show. We were gone for almost a decade. And then as I came back, I started to learn from you guys a little bit more about what he had done, a lot of the stuff he had done at a, uh, with the ANN cast. He was really an engaging character. By all counts, that um, everyone who met him, he was really good. He was actually quite friendly with them. Over time, I started to learn a little bit about a lot of the battles he fought, notably with himself, as you will see, as noted on his blog, and sticking up for certain segments of fandom. He was a champion for inclusion in fandom, and I think the uh, cause for inclusion in fandom lost its probably its most noteworthy soldier on Friday. And obviously that was pro a lot of that might've been spurned by a lot of the things that had happened in his life. But I, I had mixed feelings. I had feel mixed feelings only because I wondered how it would be if I ever um, met him in person, but I was nicely assured by people who, who I know that have, have some sense of knowing Zach. They all assured me you would have, I would have gotten along fine with him. And yeah, I think it would have been nice to have known him a little bit more. I had sent my condolences to Lindsay Leverage during um, Anime Hell. She wrote back. She actually responded saying she appreciated it. 
Bamboo Dong is an old friend. I messaged her and she said, and she said the same thing. She really did appreciate it. And I had a DM chat with uh, Justin Savakis earlier this, this afternoon and I introduced myself because it was the first time we ever talked. And um, he said he really appreciated it. And I think it's because they've been spending much of the weekend, one, grieving. But I know that for a lot of what he did, uh, a lot of the activism and a lot of the causes he took up, he gained a lot of trolls. And unfortunately, a lot of those trolls have come out um, this weekend, over the weekend, in, in light of the news of his passing. The sad uh, part is I didn't really um, I haven't had a chance to really get too familiar with um, some of the stuff he has done in those in that decade we uh, we were gone. But I, as I said, James, Kevin, they know a little bit more than I do about it. So tell me about it. Is there something you want? Is there a memory or something that sticks out to you guys, like a particular episode of the ANN cast or something they wrote? Well, I was thinking more along the lines of um, the messages of positivity we've heard and stuff like that and how he's affected so many people over the past 20 years. And the other factor is we'll probably be hearing more come Friday. They're going to do an online memorial, 6 p.m. Pacific and then uh, 9 p.m. Eastern uh, Standard Time, which I'm sure we'll hear a lot of different messages from many different people. And it was interesting, especially from some of the messages I did hear, is that they've they've been saying the same things of how he affected them through his writing and through his activism. As you said, it's like some people that have joined the industry over the past 10 years since Crunchyroll has come in. I think Miles from Crunchyroll wrote something about how he came on in, how Zach was gracious with him on uh, Ancast. He was recently on saying that he was an oldest industry veteran and he's like, how can that be when you've been doing this for way longer than I have? And I remember reading your articles when I was a much younger person, either, I guess, in high school or uh, university and stuff like that. And I think Tempest, Christopher McDonald had another tweet and stuff like that, saying that there were some people talking about how they've been reading stuff from Zach since they were in high school and stuff like that. And now they have kids. That's so they've been doing this for over 20 years. So that's incredible to, to have that effect on so many people and stuff like that and justin had uh, actually in uh, in um chatting with him earlier he did mention he is they're working on something and it's quite exhausting right now yeah because there's so there's so many people that are probably they said you can send us this thing don't send us audio files or whatever but it's like if you do have something they'll go through it and then they're going to try and either get images and some small sound bites and stuff like that and there may be some bigger ones from other people that knew him even more and stuff like that but it'll be interesting to see how it comes together for the memorial so hopefully that goes well but the other thing is as you said with your rents he was definitely a prickly character they definitely did mention that in the uh write-up they had uh on anime news network and i'm sure as kevin will say he's admitted on ancast that he was a very prickly character in the past and stuff like that. And he has had to come to terms with some of that stuff as well. You know what I mean? So hopefully it was for the better and stuff like that from what he was when he was younger. And when you were dealing with him, remember, um, and anime news network wasn't what it is now and stuff like that. It was remember all run by contributors and freelancers and stuff like that. No one making any money except for uh, Christopher McDonald. 
you know, to be fair, he put up the money. Yep. No, of it's course. His, his, his and so it was a different time in the internet. And so Zach was there and he did create Answer Man and stuff like that. That's when he created it. And then uh, after that, he left for a bit of time because he actually was at Anime Insider. And so he wrote for them. He wrote uh, for Anime Insider uh, magazine for Wizard. And had some. I, I looked at the stands, but he still uh, brought an interesting take to a traditional magazine and stuff like that. And he talked about his experiences there. And everyone always remembers his review of Full Metal Alchemist, the original one. And somehow they put a sticker on the special edition box of the first uh, Full Metal Alchemist. And it was of Zach's uh, quote from his review. <laughs> and so people complained about not being able to take that off their uh, Full Metal Alchemist box. <laughs> what was the quote, though? Do you I forget what the quote but it was a good quote. It was a good quote. And he did like the series. So. But it was interesting when you think about it. And then, obviously, as we talked about, many people have heard he came back to Anime News Network and was quote unquote the first paid employee and stuff like that. And he started that uh, march towards uh, respectability, just like many of the other sites where they were able to get contributors and get people that they were able to pay them for their work and stuff like that. And so it was incredible. They were able to build this and just keep the ball rolling and bring in other investors and stuff like that, like Bandai Namco and all these people were continuing along. And you look at the reviews too. It's like, the reviews were quite good. Like I've looked at a lot of video game reviews and stuff like that. And I think they did a good job, like finding people and getting good content from them out for the anime reviews, whether it's that video games or the manga and stuff like that. And it was interesting sometimes looking at them because they do actually have grades on them at the bottom, but I never understood why they had the grades. So that's the one thing I was always intrigued by because they had all of it in the review. You didn't really need to look at the grades. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it is very um, sad and hopefully uh, everyone can move forward and hopefully we'll have some good memories uh, to look forward to uh, from everyone come uh, Friday, hopefully. Yeah, I hope, I'm sure they'll tell some interesting stories. Kevin? So I've never met the man. Uh, I mostly knew him through one didn't know him, but I read a lot of his Answer Man columns and I listened to pretty much every episode of ANN cast and he did I would say in the beginning of the podcast he was still fairly I don't know if caustic is the right word but yeah he was still fairly uh critical about things he didn't like and I know at the time he was he was not a fan of, uh, air quotes, Moe titles. And a lot of people aren't. And back in those days, uh, I was watching a lot of that stuff. So, you know, your cannons, your airs, your clan ads, shuffle, like a lot of the stuff that's based off of visual novels. And I wouldn't say I was hurt by what he wrote, but... I always found his thoughts on them a little dismissive. Now, there are certainly bad examples of of titles in that genre, but it it always felt like to me that he... Well, I, I guess I was going to say he didn't really give them a real chance, but then again, hey, 
if if something doesn't engage you after one or two episodes, why would you bother continuing it? So there is that. Should I say that about uh, Attack on Titan? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, or and uh, Goblin Slayer for that matter. Yeah, well, because you know, time is precious, right? You you want to spend you want to spend your time on things that you think are better than than what you think they are. But I know over the years his his stance did I don't want to say soften, but he was more accepting of you know different things, saying, Hey, you know what? This isn't for me. People like this stuff for these reasons, and that's okay. And it just sounded like he started to grow a little patient, some patience for things. And I know there is a podcast that he did with uh what was Oh yes, he did a actually did a podcast on Moe with Time Enforcer Anubis on this very subject too. It, I think it was Zach's attempt at trying to have a discussion about it, and I would say as as it went on, like yeah, he yeah sure if he thought something wasn't good, he'd say it wasn't good, but. That his tone on those titles did change, so he really wouldn't come nearly as antagonistic, for lack of a better word. And mm-hmm. I noticed that tone, and you know, it was nice. I would say of uh, some of my favorite episodes on ANN Cast would be uh, the Super Nerds episodes usually those would involve uh justin savakis mike tool and daryl surratt those were always those were always amazing yeah, episodes to ones. listen to like i've listened to those on repeat a few times uh other memorable episodes for me were the one he did the one with helen mccarthy was great i also enjoyed the yeah. one he did with dave mm-hmm. merrill do you remember Carl Masick? Being oh, really yeah. Yes, I, I, that was a fantastic one. And Justin really, I think both of them had a ball at that one. That one was... Oh. That was like not too far before Carl Masick passed on, too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so it's like a time castle, but it, it's crazy to think that happened that soon after. Hmm. Uh, actually, um... Dave did say something actually before before Anime Hell on Friday, and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about Anime Hell. Uh, Dave, I actually asked Dave about about that about um, mm. Zach. I'm I'm just looking at it now. He yeah, he would acknowledge yes, uh, never really like never met him in person, but um, had a few conversations with him and did his pod did the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't share his enthusiasm for a lot of things, but always had something interesting to say. And appreciate actually he his patience uh, his his patience for certain things because um, he didn't really have to be at a point and he expressed uh, impatience yes but maybe he showed more than he should have too so mm-hmm. uh, yeah think, it, it, and that seems to be the sense that you know that seems to match what uh, you you were thinking Kevin yeah he he really does. From the the various tweets that I have read, he's really come. He he does bat for his staff and for um, other people in the industry. Uh, he's given young freelancers opportunities to write, like with little experience, little to no experience 
prior to them starting to write with ANN. Another another account that uh, really stuck out to me was uh, Charlene Ingram's tweet about Zach because so she's now a uh, she's a marketing director for Viz, I believe. No, she and... left them actually, but. Oh, she did. Okay. I, it was when she went to start at Funimation and stuff like that. And it was incredible yes. to think because we didn't know about that at all. Like, I guess she was a cosplayer and all this stuff, right? And supposedly they were saying that, well, she couldn't do the job. It was very weird to me to understand that type of thinking. But anyway, but supposedly Zach said, of course you can do the job. Yeah, so cool. she he went to bat for her because... She wasn't being taken seriously, as as uh, James said. And yeah, that really resonated with me, too, because I can kind of see that because there's sometimes this whole notion of fan, like when a fan becomes an industry representative, then sometimes people will think like, oh, you're just a fan. What do you know? Or you sold out sometimes. <laughs> it's kind of weird <laughs> when you think yeah. that because a lot of these companies... We're from fans, you know what I mean? So it's like, really? Mm-hmm. I mean, I met Jerry Chu when he worked with Bandai. He was a fan, but he was good. Uh, don't really have that much more to say, to be honest. Forget uh, which one there, Kevin, but did you read the one? I think it was like Frog Pen or whatever. That used to be their blog. and They're the Tokyo correspondent, I think, for a and Is that Kim Morrissey? I wonder if it is Kim Morrissey. I wonder, but, but they were originally from Australia, and they had the story, and it's crazy, and they said the same thing about Zach, is that they gave them that chance as a freelancer and said, you'll be our Tokyo correspondent. And they're thinking, are you out of your mind? I'm just own a university in australia i'm living with my parents and i'm somehow going to be the tokyo correspondent for ann but, <laughs> but they made it work and, yes, you know it what i mean so it's like he definitely did some great work and stuff like that and he definitely has mellowed out a bit more since us like the uh, early years as we heard from mike mm-hmm. well uh, sorry did you want to add something kevin oh, i was just saying that it it, it is kim morrissey just double checked okay Thank you. Um, well, Thanks I always had time. this feeling. I always had this feeling that anime fans, if they really wanted to, can always contribute something great to the world, whether it's actually in the anime industry or and manga industry and the related industries there, or just generally speaking. I think when you guys all talk about the, Zach in, in these terms, I'm beginning to think Zach was like the gateway, or was like the guy who helped people who really wanted to contribute to the industry in the long run, especially when it related to, um, to English-speaking um, fandom. As I said, um, it, it, this is really uh, tough, tough news to hear, and I say this only as an observer, and I say the uh, guy strictly on the sidelines, but I could sense, I could really sense in talking to people who really did know him, they're hurting this weekend. And as I said... They it isn't just uh, at the loss, but as I said, there's an ugly side to all fandoms. And I know that I started to learn a little bit about that last year during, you know, during the whole um, Vic McNona controversy. I started to learn about how uh, the some of the fractious uh, nature of fandom and how it uh, goes after each other. And I know, I know Zach would have probably been on the receiving end of a lot of that. He took, from what I understand, a lot 
of abuse, a lot of online bullying, a lot of on, uh, abuse. And he took the bullets and to stand up for what he for what he felt were the right things to stand up for. So that's why I said inclusion may have lost its biggest soldier. And um, I've always said it's okay to be bullied and criticized online it means you've stood up for something. And I know he stood up for a lot. And um, there's a small part of me that, like, as I said, uh, with the with, with learning about what happened last year with uh, Vic, I start to learn get a little insight on some of the on some of the um, toxic nature of our fandom. It's almost it's a GamerGate like a it's a GamerGate like um, toxicity, and there's a part of me that's become curious about it, but I don't know if I really want to know more. Get the feeling if I really do want to know more, I'll find out, and it'll probably find me. <laughs> so let's you know but i will say this much um you it, it, to anybody who wants to celebrate the man's the man's death you must have some issues to want to celebrate someone's misfortune much less somebody's death everyone here at anime roundtable sends our condolences to zach's uh colleagues at anime news network certainly um, certainly his loved ones, certainly his friends and family. And I'm sure we'll learn a little bit more about those tributes uh, when, the, when the actual tribute, ha- when the official tribute happens la- at the end of the week. But um, those are some of our thoughts uh, uh, as we learned a little bit more. And as I said, this was just the beginning of a tough week for um, if you're a fan of uh, Asian pop culture. Uh, uh, on the topic of uh, of cyberbullying, uh, it was also learned later that day that Hana Kimura, who was a uh, Japanese pro wrestler, and also one of the current ha- uh, one of the housemates on the current season of Terrace House on Netflix, she um, died and um, of a suspected suicide because she left such a note on her Twitter. Look, I, I make fun of I make fun of uh, Terrace House all the time because of some of the people that are on it. You have your models, you have wannabe actors, you have your uh, chefs, you have your f- models, you have your fashion designers, you have your wannabe models, you have your musicians, you have your gravure models, and then you have your um, lingerie designers who double as models. And, and I don't know, this, is, this one was a little bit more like, I, I know uh, my understanding of the events leading up to things with her it, was she had gained a lot of flack for an incident that happened on the show, but reading the notes on it, it sounded like if she was upset, uh, she was upset at one of the housemates for ruining her clothes, including her um, wrestling uniform. And it sounded like it was warranted, but boy, she got it. Uh, she, the attacks were relentless and she becomes the latest in a line of, young Asian celebrities to um, to die under unfortunate cir- unfortunate circumstances concerning um, probable probable cyberbullying and this was just uh, tough news to hear and this as I said reverberated not just in the pop Japanese pop, and Asian pop culture world but in the wrestling world as well so there was various uh, various tweets 
from well-known pro wrestlers here in the States because she actually worked in the, she actually did some shows here in North America, sending their condolences and angry because they, because of the um, reports of the of cyberbullying. And as I said, Kimura has quite a peg- pedigree because her mom was a, a pro wrestler too. And chances are she was probably, a, I've yet to see this current season of um, Terrace House because I'm still working on the last one. And I have to say it's uh, interesting to watch. But I, I wonder, um, you know, it, it's television. And I think we have to kind of, you know, divide, uh, you know, try and um, separate what we see on television to the real person. I get it. This is like this whole thing about reality TV as well. And I, I know this is a longer discussion and it's already rather late. We're already half an hour into this taping. Um, but I'll say this much. Uh, we use the term reality TV, but its biggest pioneer is Mark Burnett, obviously, the creator of Survivor or the man behind Survivor. And he said he had an issue with using the term reality TV. He referred to it more as unscripted television. And I think it's because the second the camera comes on, everything's out the door. Everything changes once you turn on those cameras. How you think a scene was supposed to play out, it changes once it turns on the cameras because everybody in front of it has an awareness of that pre- of the presence of those cameras. And that'll change everything right down to the, uh, even as minute as just a pose but it'll probably change everything else, like the way they were going to act. And um, I think people had trouble separating that from in terms of Miss Kimura. She was a real person. She was entertaining us, yes, but she was a real person. Uh, so uh, get over that. Separate that, please. But um, I don't know. I, I, it, it was one that stuck out to me. And I know that... Um, Various segments of fan of anime fandom and tend to be also pro wrestling fans too. So I thought I'd acknowledge that. I, I don't know. Is there something else you want to say about those two uh, about it, guys? I don't claim to know Hana Kimura at all, but I uh, was going through some of the tweets uh, last night, and yeah, I I did see examples of uh, fans actually pointing out the people who had bullied her on Twitter. So there were fans outing uh, her naysayers and and her enemies, so to speak. And you know I what? But yep. I'm not going to say good for them. Don't, but I don't blame them one bit. I, I can't either. It's weird, though, because either. it becomes this never-ending cycle and stuff like that. And yeah, we should probably point them out, but I hope it doesn't. It just this toxic circle just keeps on churning, and that's what I always worry about. Even if you are in the hmm. right, you gotta take the high road. Yeah, that's true. And we talked about it yeah. before too, Mike, off air and stuff like that. And you were saying the same thing as well. It's like reality television, as we said, isn't reality television. It's just television. You know what I mean? It's made it, like. It's completely made up. Oh, it's and remember for, they have the casting people. in that as well. Remember you said all the people that are likely on Terrace House and stuff like that. How many of those do you think 
are real people. I don't want they're real people, but you know what I mean. Like we talk about how many of those type of professions do you know in real life when you're going to your nine to five job or whatever? You know what I mean? Like there's a bit more unreality than reality. Like I said, I I made the joke right now. I just made the joke. Every second person on Terrace House was a model. Um, So you're saying we have a chance, right, Mike, to be a model and just show our exude our manliness. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, the or something. I think. I think. I think. But, uh, I think but James, we're, we're up for a, a cyber bullying right there. But here's the thing: for a lot of people, those shows are their lives. So it becomes like here's one thing. Too, oh, I know. Go ahead. No, Kevin. I, it, oh, let, let Kevin so, speak. Uh, so this here's what I'll. Here's something that I don't admit to a lot of people. Uh, I watched one season of The Bachelor two years ago. And I, that was also the year I started to be very active on Reddit. So I joined the Bachelor subreddit. And my god, the fans on that subreddit are some of the most passionate fans you will ever find. And learning about the fandom behind The Bachelor was fascinating. Like people would hold viewing parties, uh, the way how, like the way how people that are in the Bachelor become celebrities in their own right, uh, just the it's just the length that people go to interact with the cast and with Chris Harrison and interacting with other fans, whether it's positive or negative was was something else. And that's with a lot of the long running ones. And we talked about Mark Burnett and they say the same thing about survivors. Another one. It's like, it's interesting how that is transformed over the years and stuff like that. And the interactions between all the staff and the fans and stuff like that. And the other one, I hope it still comes back, but it's got a passionate, real passionate fan base. And it does have the awards is the amazing race, the amazing race. I still I love, love watching. Love it. I've watched race. every season and I still love watching it. Okay. Hmm. I love amazing race. I, I just never have time to watch. That doesn't mean I don't appreciate them, and but they're definitely, they're, they're, I mean, they get, they're, they're more easy, obviously now than what they used to be. That's for sure. You know what I mean? It's, it's easy television, right? It's easy television. I mean, it's inexpensive for them to make. So that's why it, became a thing it's just we have to be careful once again it's about separating what we see on television with the real person that seems to have become the issue i I will say this uh, like this is what when kevin just kevin made me realize something like in many respects for a lot of people who do who you've seen on reality tv you're right this is their profession reality tv itself can be their profession some people's appearances on reality tv shows or unscripted television shows. I don't know which term to use. It's, it is self-promotion too. It, it, like, I mean, I, I get the feeling brand. everybody, a lot of the people on Terrace House were, you know, they're trying to further themselves, mm-hmm. get themselves noticed, promote themselves. I mean, it, it's, it's a, it was a, it's a highly popular show. It's, it's, which has gained even further attention with its uh, presence on Netflix. Even Boston Rob, the, the one of the great the great Survivor contestant, admits, you know, this is how he made that's how he's made his living yeah, for his and family, and he's more. talked about that on the show and, and off the show. And, it's and, interesting. 
he might be. I think he's made the most money out of, off of um, his appearance. He definitely of made Survivor more money at me. that than he did off poker, and he admits that too, which is kind of funny. So yeah, and that, he met his wife so there too, is, Amber. So it's like, hang yeah, on. he met his wife. Yeah, that's right. And they they did a season of Amazing Race as well, on top of it, right? Yep, they did two seasons, and then remember that recent season of Survivor where they brought back some of the million dollar winners. They brought Rob and Amber together. So, and I'm sure they weren't mm-hmm. doing that like for I free. Said, yeah, it's a thing. It, it's a it's a thing for them. So, so there are appearance fees. Yeah, that's like rea- like unscripted television is like it's a it's a business, just like every other aspect of television in itself. But um, yeah, it's weird. It became said, one thing, right? It started out and stuff like mm-hmm. that, and they were trying to feel their legs. You can see that with the very early seasons of Survivor and Amazing Race, and then you look at them now, and it's like wow. Just wow, the evolution yeah. of all these programs. You know what I mean? Or Big mm-hmm. Brother but, or Bachelor and Bachelorette. It's interesting. Yeah. It, as I said, it's just the issue, and this is where it comes back to uh, to, to Hannah Kimura, is separating what you saw on television from what they are. And that's what that was the sad part about what happened there. And, you know, cut them some slack. They, these guys have lives. Uh, even, even, um, even the um, even the K-pop art, uh, artists who and actresses, actors and actresses who we've heard about in the last number of months who have taken their own lives, give them a break because um, they they're under enough pressure oh, already. Let's let's not even do, let's not talk about the K-pop thing. Oh, that as I said, that's and that's an understatement. Okay, I'm sure we'll hear more about that story too in the coming weeks. Along with Zach, let's lighten it up a little bit, shall we? Yes. Okay. So this weekend, like, we're taping out what would have been. We're taping this tonight. Uh, what is it? And I've yet to say. Uh, I didn't mention the date of this up uh, as we're taping. Right, Sunday evening, May the twenty fourth, two thousand twenty. This would have been the final night of Anime North, and obviously, we would have been taping there. We would have done at least one episode, maybe two. We I've seen photos online, like they're on the Facebook pages, um, Anime North's Facebook pages. Uh, people have been passing by the site, uh, the Toronto Congress Center and Delta DoubleTree, whatever they call this these days, just to take a picture of what the site looks like right now. And it's empty, as you might have expected. People have been posting online, um, you know, memories of past Anime North's cosplays they've done, the cosplays they would have done this year. And obviously, um, as I said, we would have taped already. Done. Kevin would have made his shot at the not at the Noma Noichi. I would have done my um, I would have done my voice actor um, stalking by now. We would have maybe done. Maybe we would have lucked out and had a um, been able to do an interview in the display room uh, in the Anime North display room office again this year, James, like we did for Fred Shot. And maybe we would have been more prepared for it, like put signage saying where you can listen to this interview. Mm-hmm on the topic of self-promotion. Eh, it's an odd feeling. I mean, the whole, the, 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 I, you can just add this to the pile of how the whole pandemic has made things feel so odd, I guess. And I think JP kind of mentioned it too, and it was kind of, it finally hit all the people. It's like, oh yeah, it would have been Anime North this weekend, stuff like that. And I would have been with maybe friends or people you don't see as often, stuff like that. And it just kind of hits you, right? Mm-hmm. That it would. 
Kevin, you have a thought? Or, and then I'll lighten it up, I guess. Well, I it, it feels kind of weird not going to AN. Uh, yeah, I didn't do Nomenoichi in that that's a little that's a little disappointing, but I felt like just on a personal level, I felt like I needed a break from AN and that kind of happened without me having a choice about it, but I think right now it's just you know, people people are disappointed, but hey, do you want to get coronavirus? Cuz I sure don't. Nobody does. And I got more sleep mm. this year too. So, well, yeah, that, 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 yeah, that's good. Uh, well, on a uh, but on something a little lighter. I mean, the cool part for us, at least for myself, is I didn't have to miss. I didn't have to go head to head with uh, anime hell, which is obviously a losing situ- a losing proposition. Everything, I, but anything we do there is a losing proposition. Nobody ever comes to uh, watch the tapings since we do them My. so late at night. But um, you know, which leads me to say, I got to I got to check out uh, Anime Hell for the first time in more than a decade. I'm trying to remember the last time I saw it now, but it was yeah. But I had to sit and watch it uh, with everybody else because um, Dave Merrill and the gang decided to do an online version of it this year, which was shown on Facebook. And if you knew about it, you would have been able to see it on Facebook. It would have been able to see it. A lot of people did come out to watch, uh, not necessarily from Toronto. Um, we did see like uh, commentators like um, Zach's, uh, like Zach's um, uh, partner in crime, uh, Lindsay Loveridge. She was there and I think helped her out for the day. Uh, might have done some good for her. That like made her feel a little better. Mike Tool was watching. I know that. You were watching. Uh, both of you, I know, were in there because I saw your, I saw um, your, your, you mentioned mm-hmm. in the chat, Kevin. Yeah, everyone was, everyone had that. Uh, there were a lot of people who, uh, like Lance High School, Lance uh, High School, the um, former um, Funimation head or Funimation executive was, uh, was in the chat too. Yeah, I noticed he was that watching. too. So there were a lot of people who I know from fandom and, uh, and, and various, uh, various, um, points of uh, anime journalism watching anime hell which i mean it, i have to say this uh, looking back on it because um my memory of seeing anime hell the first time is fairly blurry and it, it was like it was bizarre it was charming it was funny ho ho if not funny ha ha i enjoyed it what is its allure i mean i can only i i know the i have my sense as to what its allure as a fairly old character now so most of the most of the clips I saw in some form, maybe around the time they happened, they were originally aired. A lot of those clips I would have recognized from years ago. What's the allure to someone much younger? It's fucking weird. To... That's what it is. Yeah, D- Dave Merrill definitely does know how to pick them and stuff like that. There's some weird ones, and then the way they put it together, it just all comes together into this crazy mess that just is anime hell and. It's definitely it's grown the following because then it's like that word of mouth of, oh, hey, you should come here next year because remember, they were in smaller rooms at the Double Tree and they got bigger rooms. And then once they opened it. the North Building, that's where they ended up because they just got so big. Oh, yeah. It takes, off, it takes over the, um, 
It takes over the uh, big ballroom in the north building of the TCC. You know, the same yes. building that Doug Ford uh, made his acceptance speech at uh, a couple weeks later, <laughs> a couple of years ago. He and yeah, like let's you look at the history of it. Um, it took a couple like it took a video room initially, and then it took and then they took the partitions off three video rooms for it, and then it took the ballroom yep. at the um, in the hotel. And he started it. It, at went, anime at, Atlanta, it went to too. anime weekend, yeah, and it went head to head. Yeah, and it went head to head with the uh, with the um, like in earlier years, it actually went head to head with the with the cosplay, the masquerade. Yeah, the masquerade. It, in earlier years, it did. They didn't. It, it used to be on Saturdays, or I don't know if it was head to head or right after. Was it? Yeah, I it, remember. I thought it was always on. Yeah, yes, but it was on Saturday yeah, evening. It used to be on Saturdays, and I had not been able to attend Anime Hell since it moved to Friday nights because it conflicted with Nomonoichi and the podcast. So, so, and then now it's now it's the highlight of Friday night. Yes, and they had a bit. It is the highlight, without a doubt, the highlight of Friday night, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, maybe for different reasons. I think for different reasons, but something tells me they're sim- more similar than I thought. I-, I think at this point. But um, okay, Kevin, you just thought, I think it's just f- fucking weird. And even when yeah, it's like, foibles, it's still fun. As Dave Mills, but they trudge through. Yeah, it's hot. You just like, and you, James, that's right. You said it was more, you just enjoyed the hot mess aspect to it. <laughs> and then you had the things and, where they have certain things and it's like a story of her own. I think the commercials he chose this year were for like the long man. Can't you the long, that was the long man. You see how the story goes throughout till the very end and you're thinking, holy and smokes. that was a great plot twist at the very end. I don't know why I thought I should expect it, but I still didn't expect it. I don't know why. So that was the second time I've seen the long man candy ads. And uh, so he he's used them for anime hell before. So I was familiar with it and I was just, you know, looking forward to, see, I was like, okay, yes, he's doing these again. Yes, they're great. And it makes me wish that uh, that North American ads had narrative as well. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, uh, where does he find these things? That's that's the question I have sometimes. But um, I think the one thing I was certainly missing is um, there was there a lot of commentary. Like, did he do commentary, live commentary throughout as the videos were playing? Sometimes he was did he it in to? the he did it in the chat. Yeah, yeah he, he did, did in the it. chat. He did it, and obviously he t- did the interludes, but. I mean, let's face it. Um, the, maybe the biggest disappointment is just like everything else. Anime Hell had to be done online. I think there is a certain energy that comes with showing this in front of a live audience. I, I'm guessing. Yeah, and Dave Merrill, and that's why obviously, the audience bigger, bigger, bigger. Sorry, Dave Merrill. Yeah, I guess he was used to doing it obviously one way, and you got the way you're doing it in front of a live audience, and used to doing it. And as you said, it was his first time, I guess, doing it for the stream and stuff like that. So. Different vibe, but I still think, as they said, people came to see, and I think people walked away very happy at the end, even though it was a bit oh, different. Yeah. And, and I think in the end, we'll be able to, well, I mean, if you missed it, I think he had it running on a loop uh, on the Facebook site, but... Um, he's going to find a permanent spot, I think he said. Yeah, I can't remember where he's going to go, though. He said he'll let people know, I guess. Oh, yeah, that'll and be tricky because of copyright issues. Will- 
maybe some copyright issues, but we'll pass along. If he's able to put a uh, an archive version of it, we will be sure to add it to uh, future links and let all three of our listeners know that uh, it's up. But uh, I have to say, having seen it for the first time in years, uh, it I, it was a tour de force. I have to say that much. And uh, Dave um, Dave Merrill has long agreed to do this podcast to uh, appear on this podcast, and we're trying to figure and um, we're just trying to figure out a good way to get him to come on. Like like it isn't just a run of the mill episode. We want to actually talk with him at length about a lot of different topics. So we're trying to so. Um, James, Kevin, myself, Mo, we're going to try and whittle down things we would love to talk about uh, with uh, with uh, Dave Merrill. And if you have any ideas, please um, tweet us. But that was a lot of fun. And uh, too bad I may end up missing it next year. Yeah, I'll, I'll likely miss it next year, too, because the one so ever since it moved to Saturday, I've never been able to catch it, like I said before. but. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he does do them at Eyesore Cinema in downtown Toronto. Mm, so, yes, that's right. He, and he promotes that, actually. He yeah, two or three that. years ago, I went with a friend. Uh, because at that time, he actually wasn't charging for it. Or he was just offering. He was like, yeah, you know, if you want to donate, sure. But otherwise, you don't need to, you don't need to pay for anything if you really can. And then, yeah, I took a friend. Uh, he didn't know what to expect. I did. He, I didn't expect him to like it as much as he did. Yeah, that that's part of the charm of our past. Sometimes, or just reliving certain things of our that of our childhood, or um, exposing uh, what what, what uh, bygone eras to uh, others. Okay, so um, well, on that note, we're almost done. Maybe we have one more thing to talk about, and I think it's a, a little bit more uh, lighter. I guess if you are into shopping. As I said, with the uh, end uh, of Anime North, with Anime North not happening this year, more like it, people didn't get a chance to peruse the art, peruse things like the Artist Alley or the Dealer's Room or um, the Comic Market, I think, as they call it here. And earlier this week, um, James made me aware of something very interesting: the Humble Bundle Manga Bundle. And I've this was the first time I was made aware of it, uh, which tells you how much I uh, keep up with things. But um, James, you want to tell like tell us a little bit about this one because uh, you're the one who. Uh... Yeah, well, Humble, as you know, like they do all sorts of bundles now, not just the video game bundles. And I know the last one they did for manga it was with Kodansha. It was like Hiro uh, Mashima Fairy Tale and uh, Rave Master. They were just focused a lot around that creator, so I never uh, decided to let people know about that. But this one was award-winning manga, and they had a lot of good uh, quality manga like Space Brothers, Love Hina, Beck, Parasite, Princess Jellyfish, and stuff like that. And it's all the different uh, things. And if you want to get the whole bundle, you just have to pay $28 Canadian, probably less if you're in the States. But for me, getting 34 volumes of Space Brothers alone for $28 Canadian is worth it alone. That's the lowest it's ever been to get. That yeah, longer, and that the is, only way to that get is ridiculous. Is digitally because Kodansha has been one of the publishers that has said if we can't do it physically and digitally, sometimes they'll do some just digitally. And heck, if you can support them some way, it's like I'm all for it. Kevin, 
Yeah, that is a ridiculous price because if you think about it, those digital volumes probably cost like 10 bucks if you bought it at full retail online. So to get 34 volumes of Space Brothers for 28 Canadian dollars, like, shut up and take my money. And if you think about even when they do have their sales and stuff like that, you're still never going to get that close for any one series. Exactly. And so for the bread if they chose, it's like, might not be for everyone, but I think this is one of the ones where I said, heck, I can do that. And the other thing is we know with Humble is you can choose where you want your money to go. You can give more than obviously the $28 if you want to give more. I think an anonymous person, the highest one was $200 last I checked. And you can choose where it goes, how much you want to go to Kodansha, how much you want to go to Humble, and then how much you want to go to the charities. This time for the charities, we're doing the Comic Book Defense uh, Fund and also ACLU, I believe. Which are two, obviously, with in light of everything that's happened, um, two very, very good causes. And looking at the list of titles that are being offered, it isn't just, it, obviously, Space Brothers is the highlight to you guys. For me, the reprint of Love Hina doesn't hurt hurt either. And so does the, the complete Beck. Yeah. It's listed as well. This is listed. And I think, um, how many series are mentioned in this? Um, it looks like... Uh, Seven, like eight, eight, nine. Like seven eight titles, yeah. Yeah, about uh, nine, yeah, eight to nine, nine titles. Like, so you're getting a lot. Eight of or it. nine titles, and only um, and only two year eternity. Is it two year eternity and um, and Space Brothers? Those are the only two that aren't complete. Yeah, correct. They're still life. ongoing. So two year eternity. Those is- two are ongoing, but everything else is complete. All the other titles in this bundle are complete. So you, so is it? 30, 28, 28 Canadian minimum for the whole, for all of this. This isn't meant as a, uh, we're not, it's not as if we're being paid by them, but this is just something that has our attention. And uh, I'll make my membership uh, and try and get this myself later on. And everyone still has yeah. tons of time because it's at the moment, the counter is at 16 days, 14 hours, 48 minutes, and five seconds. Mm-hmm. And this isn't, like throughout the pandemic, uh, we are hearing about various, like various free—not uh, necessarily freebies, but deals on things like digital, digital um, products, games, eBooks, movies. We are hearing a lot about various services and goods that are being offered at a pandemic-type discount. I mean, we're on Zencaster tonight. Zencaster is offering uh, offering. A pretty good tier for free for throughout the pandemic as well. Ultimately, uh, it may it may uh, it may serve them well, and we may end up using them fully as the as time goes here on this podcast. But it, there's a lot of interesting deals to go around. Um, you hear a lot about little software bundles that happen um, periodically, even when times are good. This is something else. There's this is a this is a tough time. This is a, a unprecedented time in our history, and you're seeing a lot of more interesting things, a lot of good things coming out. So, uh, if you're a fan, I mean, this is a good variety pack. I, I, there's obviously um, there are titles here that I would really want to read through all the way through. Parasite is mentioned here too. Um, Princess Jellyfish is here. On top of it, Yurli in April. These are all. Uh, these all look like interesting reads, and my only real regret is I kind of missed out on other deal on other ebook deals. 
that have happened. So um, I, I, I will try and keep myself uh, in tune in the future. It has me run, and as I said, it's a reflection to me on the stuff I've missed. Uh, you know, the ten year over those that decade we were off the air, so much had changed. Like we, how how we consume, how we enjoy uh, anime manga, and what what else, uh, is, what other uh, aspects of, has of fandom has come up over the years. I didn't really know about until hmm, until it kind of hit me. But boy, this is kind of it's a little it's there's a tinge of sadness in some respects because things aren't going back to ways I did enjoy. But there's something to look forward to. It's kind of fun to watch from this uh, from this angle now. Anyway. You guys have any final thoughts? Because um, on on humble bundle or just overall on any well hu- humble bundle and just generally speaking, like our our little fireside chat's almost done. Uh, I have two things. Cool. Uh, yeah, this for for the bundle, like I, so I'm not a digital person in the sense that I don't like paying for digital versions of volumes. Subscription services, I'm okay with, but. Normally, I wouldn't buy digital anything for manga or video games because I like to have, I like, I prefer having the physical product. And now, when it comes to stuff like this, where Beck is and Space Brothers, this is the only way to read them legally because let's face it, Space Brothers is too damn long and Beck is pretty long and had been cancelled in the past because of the whole Kodansha Tokyo pop fallout it it presents an opportunity for me to actually support those series even though I feel like I'm kind of stealing it mm-hmm. uh, as as for my second point uh, it actually goes back to Zach I this didn't occur to me until partway through the recording. Zach and Justin were fundamental in allowing me to criticize uh, the media that I consume. So I remember them like every so often, like talking about the movies they've seen or just other anime that they've watched and explaining why this thing was good or why that thing is not good. And uh, I remember never really understanding or being able to comprehend how to, you know, critique something. And Anne and Cast really allowed me to uh, start doing that with in films where nowadays, uh, when I go to the theater, if it's for like, you know, it depends. So anime, I'm a lot more like, I'll just watch anything. But when it comes to Hollywood movies, I usually, I want to make sure something's good before I go in. Like I, I'm not as inclined to, you know, spend the $14 to watch. I don't know the newest die hard or, or, the newest Fast and the Furious. Like, I want to. Like, I want to be able to. You know, I actually like to kind of pick apart why something is good or why something is bad. 
or why something is at or at the very least enjoyable. So in that sense I do I do thank Zach and Justin for uh opening my mind to try and comprehend why I like the things that I do or or to or why I dislike the things that I do. James Yes, there's nothing off the top of my head at the moment. I think we covered all uh, the bases and stuff like that. and Hopefully it will be better times ahead, and we'll see uh, how the memorial on Friday uh, turns out, and hopefully there will be some happy uh, memories that everyone can remember uh, going forward. And as we say, those are the memories you want to remember every day as you say the name of those people, and you don't want to forget them because they're in you every time, right? Especially the people that cared about them and connected with them the most, right? For myself, I will speak as somebody who was once on ANN's staff. I know for a fact that is a very close-knit group. I think that goes without saying. They got each other's backs, very much so. And you can sense that with the way... Uh, you can sense that um, when you see like a member of, that, of the ANN staff interact with another member. That's the sense I got. Uh, in the brief time I was associated with them. And ANN has lost probably its, well, certainly one of its more noteworthy pillars, if not its biggest one. And it's going to hurt for a while. And I know they're putting out more than a few fires right now. So keep it easy on them. Once again, we do... Uh, we do send our condolences to um, Zach's colleagues and his loved ones. And with that in mind, that's it. So uh, thanks for listening for the last hour. As I said, uh, it was a, a, a space heater chat. Just talking off the uh, top of our heads. It's just been that kind of weekend. So uh, thanks for letting us blow off some steam and laying it out and letting our uh, own thoughts be known.